Welcome to what the if where strange ideas crawl across the universe and make their way into you. Your head. Ah! Scary. That is a sneaky tease for what the if will be coming up. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to welcome our, uh, my illustrious co-hosts, the true brains behind the, uh, the show, um, Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University. How are you? How is Rockefeller? I am doing good. It's good. I, the plants are slowly yeah. reviving themselves. The first hint of spring is coming to the Upper East Side, so I am very Fantastic. excited. Fantastic. In New York, the uh, the urine begins to defrost and, you know, make its way into the aroma. Yep. Get the aromas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I have no segue. There's no proper segue. There's no elegant segue from that to Professor Matt, Stan Matt Stanley. Sensei Stanley, uh, Mata. Would you say if you had a Japanese name, it would be uh, Matosan, Matosan, of the New York University? How are you, sir? Um, well, my brain has been replaced by uh, a complex fungal structure. So other Whoa. than that, fine. Um, <laughs> I think we might need to learn a little bit about that uh, to fully assess the consequences. Yeah. Yeah, I only understood about every other word in that sentence, so I'm excited to get right to it. Uh, before we do, those of you who are listening right now are able to listen to us in part because of the assistance and the support of some other listeners uh, here. And by the way, if you are one of those listeners who is a member of the IF, an official member of the IF, the Society of IFs, the Academy of IF, <laughs> the Royal Academy of IF. It's growing as we speak. It's becoming ever more, more bombastic, um, meaning you uh, went to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what the IF, and you became a member. And when you signed up, depending on what level you sign up at, you might get anywhere anything from our eternal gratitude, which kind of, kind of, we're giving it away cheap. I'm going to be honest for like a buck, you can get our eternal gratitude that, but, but it's, it's, it's genuine. It's genuine. As you work your way up the, uh, the chain there, uh, to ever grander models of the universe, uh, you might get a mug with our logo on it, or you might get a sticker, an exclusive sticker. You can carry the if anywhere you go and show it to people and I think, you know, who knows what doors that will open. We literally don't know, you know. That's how powerful the if is. Uh, we're not responsible for what happens on the other side of that door. But uh, patreon.com slash what the if. Thank you. For those of you who are members, thank you. If you don't know what that is, go check it out. Um, and so this week, um, Gabby, uh, the idea comes from from you and, and I think from an article I think you were mentioning you were reading. So. Um, just a little bit of setup, and then uh, we'll state the if and begin. begin we're going to begin the thought experiment. So Matt, if you could actually, we haven't done this in a while, just, just to make sure everyone's on board. Mm -hmm. We're going to start a thought experiment. What, what is a thought experiment? 
and why do we do it? Oh, well, so a thought experiment is, um, as the name suggests, um, an experiment you do only in your head. Um, so typically this is Safety done first. for... Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is done for for thinking through experiments that you cannot or should not do. Um, so uh, traveling close to the speed of light, um, going barefoot in the subway. Um, uh, since you can't actually do them, uh, you think through in your head um, what the consequences of a particular idea might be. Uh, and it takes a particular kind of uh, rigorous thinking. Um, it's different than just imagining stuff because we, you want to figure out what the rules of your experiment are and stick close to them. Um, it was handy for people like Einstein back in the day, um, uh, thinking through various problems. Um, so that's what we do here, um, which basically means we change something about reality uh, and then imagine what the consequences would be. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so... Gabby, what what area of reality are we futzing with this morning? Yeah, so primarily this is an area of reality that mostly only concerns insects. Um, so insects, it turns out, have a lot of really funky parasites and fungi that can infect them and do really, really wonky things to their biology. Uh, so one day while I was stuck in the BSL-3 waiting for some stuff to incubate, but unable to shed the multiple layers of plastic clothing I was wearing for at least another hour more. I was just kind of online reading nature papers and whatnot, um, and came across an article about a tapeworm that infects ants as a sort of middle ground host. It's not the end game, uh, but it essentially makes them immortal and makes the colony take super great care of these infected ants. And I just thought that was super neat, and it sort of joins another uh, you know, mark on the list of weird things that infect insects. Uh, some of you guys may have heard of like cordyceps fungi, uh, which are like the mind control funguses that infect insects, especially ants. Um, so I thought that'd be something really fun to uh, do a thought experiment on the day. Awesome. And so uh, we begin. Everyone prepare. You, you use the term BSL. What is that? Stand for. Oh, that's when I'm in the yeah. biosafety level three facility. That's uh, the more intense virus facility than normal. Outside, I'm in a right. t-shirt so and jeans. Everyone... Inside, I'm in a full plastic suit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! So, were you, you, you when you were mentioning you were you were surfing the internet? You, you were wearing your your full plastic suit surfing the internet. Yeah, yeah. That... There's a, there's a computer in there, and so like I'm kind of like when you know you you're stuck in there for just long enough, you don't want to take everything off. And so I'm just sitting there, you know, fully with the the thing hood pulled up over my head, the N95, multiple layers of gloves, you know, just how normal people browse the computer. Well, I should say, and there's there's definitely parts of the internet where it's a good idea yeah. to have a full oh, yeah. suit on Hardcore. before you go in. So I know the, the image that you just painted to me struck me as a New Yorker cartoon <laughs> waiting for a caption. Just, just see somebody in a hazmat suit yeah, you know, right. working at the computer. So, um, yeah, so safety first. Uh, everybody, if you're listening, you know, put on your imaginary um, safety suit as we begin by asking, what the if... Humans, that's you and your friends and family, were infected, and I'm really winging this here, with the sexy 
immortality virus that came from beyond. It came out of a scientific paper and infected everybody. Um, so, Gabby, what what was the, the before the show? I think you you were you were telling us the name of this particular uh, parasite, not virus, parasite. It's what we're talking about, right? Um, and what 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 was that? This from the article that inspired you to take on this experiment? Yeah. So uh, the tapeworm is, and I'm going to totally butcher this. So apologies to anyone who studies this. Um, Anomotania brevis. Uh, it's a it's a parasite of temnothorax ants, basically, um, and it is primarily actually a tapeworm of the woodpeckers that feed on the ants. But parasites often have these sort of middle ground hosts, where part of their life cycle is in another organism, and then somehow that gets back to the first organism. Um, so one that you may have heard about is Toxoplasma in cats. Um, that infects uh, yeah. essentially the cats poop out toxo um somehow that gets into a rat or a mouse or some other creature like that and then the cat eats the rat and then gets infected with it so there are these cyclical life cycles that often require two organisms and so for this particular tapeworm its end stage host is the woodpecker but its intermediate stage host is the ant and it does some really funky stuff in the ant to make sure it gets back into the woodpecker so uh Setting the stage for this, is there a particular place on Earth where this was studied? Or how do we... I'm trying to remember where they are. I think they're just like uh, just like European ants. They're sort of on the forest floor. They make nests in like acorns and like under fallen leaves and stuff like that. So they're not... They're not, you know, like huge colony building army ants or anything like that that you might think of as like super exotic. Right. These are like kind of run of the mill ants. I love that run of the mill European ants. You know, they they uh, <laughs> they smoke, but not too much. They drink wine, but not too much. You know, real salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. ants. <laughs> yeah, they work right. And um, so, what we're imagining is that we are. And this is one of the things we do with this thought experiment. We have different genres of thought experiments. Uh, this one, I would almost, I feel like, is a trans transposition type thing. We say, okay, what if we imagine the scenario that's happening for real, as was studied by the scientist who wrote this uh, article? Um, what if it was happening to people? So, the first thing that I'm a little freaked out about is tapeworm. Whenever I hear the name tapeworm, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> And so, um, and then at some point in this scenario, something strange happens. The tapeworm seems to cause all kinds of ramifications that I don't, when I think of tapeworm, I just think of like it gets in you and it, <laughs> my impression is that you, you eat all the time and you're always hungry. And that turns out because you've got a tapeworm inside you and it's eating all your food. I don't know, something I heard in elementary school. So what, what, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah. So, Gabby, can you tell us a little? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about mm. how parasites work in general, um, uh, and then we can get into the more specific example. Yeah. So, parasites is like a huge class. Like, they're not like a monolith. It's not like any type of. They're not all the same. Essentially, if that makes sense. Um, so, things like malaria. That is just a single-celled organism that gets inside your blood cells and then replicates from there. Tapeworm is multicellular. 
that's like a little critter basically um that's able to live inside you but the unifying theme of parasites is that essentially they're relying on a host organism that could be you that could be the ants um that could be unfortunately your cat in the case of toxo um that is providing their nutrients they're not going out and scavenging themselves they are taking nutrients from the host or exploiting the host in some way for their nutrients um and then they reproduce and then in some way have to usually find their eggs or something like that have to usually find a new host um and so they complete their life cycle by infecting new organisms and, and such um but they're not freestanding. A, a parasite cannot exist functionally or for very long without its host. There are mm. some parasites that have environmental portions of their cycle. I'm like, I think hookworm does. Um, but at the same time, it's not like you're not just going to be like, oh, look, there goes a tapeworm wiggling along in the wild. Well, it's New York, maybe. Uh. Um, but <laughs> by and large, yeah. you are not just going to see one crawling around. It's going to be inside of a, a person or an animal. But don't, don't they grow to ridiculous lengths? All right, that's creepy. Or are these... Oh, yeah. Tapeworms can. Yeah, I don't think it's always like, you know, I think it might scale, obviously, with the organism. Like, you're not going to find a human-sized tapeworm in an ant, because um, <laughs> I think the tapeworms that infect people are probably bigger than an ant. I'm not the expert on tapeworms. Actually, I got really wigged out by them as a kid, because uh, I don't know if you guys, this would have been on your radar, but, like, I was a huge, like, Discovery Channel mm -hmm. kid, and they had these, like, I think it was like this top 10 like show like the most extreme something i always remember the animations because it was like late 90s early 2000s kind of animation it was all like green like it literally looked like you were watching like the matrix kind <laughs> oh, of like yeah. like it was all that sort of color and they did one on mm -hmm. parasites and i was just like terrified for like a decade of catching oh, yeah. the tape room. i was like this is evil Ugh. And you have to get the head. Blame that's me. what I always remember. You, you gotta, you have to draw yeah, the head. That's was part of it. Yeah. Ugh. So, so these woodpeckers, in our in our model, um, the uh, the re in the real world, there, uh, the woodpecker has a tapeworm in it, right? So, does that mean that, and then that mm -hmm. that somehow makes its way to the ant? Yeah, so the woodpecker has the tapeworm. Right. The tapeworm inside the woodpecker is laying eggs all the time. Oh. When the woodpecker poops, because the tapeworm is inside its guts, basically, it poops out the eggs. The ants, in the course of scavenging for food, in some way come in contact with woodpecker poop and eat maybe something that had a little bit of it on there. And then if there was a tapeworm egg in it, they get the tapeworm, it hatches into its sort of larval stage, and its larval stage is what's inside the ant and mucking around with stuff in the ant. The tapeworm does not reach its full adult conventional tapeworm stage until it gets into the ant again, uh, the, the woodpecker again. Oh, that is... Yeah, it's that funky, is yeah. Like, I, I mentioned, I think I've mentioned that I worked yeah. on malaria for a summer, and I've described malaria before as, like, God's ugliest mm -hmm. butterfly. Because it has, like, eight different distinct <laughs> forms, completely different shapes, like, almost biologies that it goes through over the course of going between human and mosquito. And you don't really think of that because you think malaria. It's in your blood. No. 
it gets into your body. It goes yeah. to your liver first. It makes a thing in your liver. Then from your liver, it goes into your blood. It has four different stages while it's in your blood. Wow. Eventually, it makes another stage that that's what gets picked up by mosquitoes. Inside the mosquitoes, a couple of those combined, it makes another stage. And then that one makes another stage that goes into the mosquito salivary gland that actually infects you. God's ugliest <laughs> butterfly. So, I mean, parasites are really, really yeah. funky little dudes. Like, they've got very complicated biology. Yeah. That was like performance artists like David Bowie or Madonna or something where like, you know, or Michael yeah. Jackson, right? Every every time they put out an album, they had like a completely new persona, you know? so It's like the Prince of Parasites, like a completely different name, like new identity. Yeah, you yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> the Parasite yeah, formerly exactly. known as Tapeworm. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds right. Oh, Prince. Dearly missed. Um, so um, here's the question then for our thought experiment. Are we the woodpecker or are we the ant? I feel like it sounds like the more interesting thing is that we are the woodpecker because that's where the, the that's where the tapeworm really. In other words, it's the whole point is to go from the woodpecker into the ant and then back to the woodpecker, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you agree? Well, I will say though, are we, the, are, the weird ahead. things are happening with the ant. So okay. we we could be we could be the woodpecker, but then we have to figure out well what is interacting with us that's going to get the superpowers from the tapeworm. Like, are all of our cats and dogs going to get a stat buff? Are they going to start like live for fifty years? Because that'd be pretty cool. Oh, that's right. It's it's the ants that get the weird superpower as you were <laughs> describing it. So we, we'll let's be the ants. Let's definitely be the ants. And I do. It is easier to imagine us as ants. For me, for some reason, I can imagine us as ants more than woodpeckers. Um, Although we do bang our heads against the wall sometimes. Um, so if we are the ants in this scenario, then what's the woodpecker? Yeah, so there's not a lot of things that eat people. We're kind of apex predators, I guess. Well, I don't know if we actually count as that, but we are kind of. Um, I suppose you could have a rogue man-eating tiger, but that's pretty uncommon. Um and no. Oh, wait, but the woodpecker eats the ant? Yeah, the-, the woodpecker eats the ants. So that's how it gets back <laughs> in. So you have to have something that eats us. Oh, at the end of the cycle. Right, right, right. So I suppose <clears throat> maybe we could have... Well, we do get... People do get eaten. Look, let's face it. If you were in the wild, pe- people were getting eaten all the time. These are tigers, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. Something yeah. along... The- oh, never mind. Sorry. I accidentally opened something. Tab. Never mind. <laughs> rogue, rogue tab. It was literally a rogue um, tab. Um, Matt, Matt, what's, uh, choose, choose something that will eat us. Um, other than other humans. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That'd be good. Humans from another tribe. Yeah. Oh, um, polar bear. Polar bear is always reliable for oh, eating us. polar bears. Oh, yeah. hardcore polar bear. It's a great one. I, I should say that polar bear makes more, it's just like, makes more sense than say tigers because tigers don't tend to eat people unless they're like injured or something like that. Like, okay. but polar bears, a polar bear will try to eat you. Like, not to, like, yeah, cast them as mean, yeah. Sure, but, yeah, they are definitely, like, on site. We all have our job to do, mm-hmm. and that's the polar bear's job is to eat. Any bear's job is to eat or and then sleep and then eat, eat more. Um, so, uh, okay, so polar bears. And so um, this whole thing probably begins in some Arctic situation, right? And um, we know, in fact, through globe because of climate change, global warming, polar bears are, um, all, all the bears, in fact, kind of losing their natural habitats and coming into human communities and things like that. So it's certainly possible. Um, so 
the polar bear has, so if we begin with the polar bear has the tapeworm in it mm -hmm. first. Is that correct? Right. And how did it get it the first time? I mean, you end up in a sort of parasite Ouroboros. It, you could say it ate a person who was infected, but then you're like, but right, where does it right. begin? That's a question for another time. At some point, there was either right. a spontaneous generation of tapeworm, right. if you choose that argument, or something finally evolved to be able to infect polar bears and it That's ate right. it from maybe a seal. That's right. Right. Yeah. And then it comes. Okay, so it comes and that tapeworm needs to make its way from the polar bear into uh, somebody uh, in this Arctic, let's say we're at some Arctic research station and, uh, Matt, you are there. Mm -hmm. Um, what rank are you in the, um, uh, in this? I, I am station? the janitor. <laughs> the janitor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, poor janitor, Matt, <laughs> sweeping the, sweeping the, uh, the hallway doesn't realize a polar bear has used its nose to kind of push its way through a door that was left open as it shouldn't have been. And uh, what's going to happen now, Gary? Uh, I get Where are we starting from this life cycle? Because do you want Matt to pick up the tapeworm or for him to have the tapeworm and then get eaten? Because he's got to pick it up by... Oh, is that where you... Okay. Yeah, because... Okay, yeah, i got to pick it up from somewhere. That's right. So where... I guess... Um. I mean, do you have an idea, Matt? Because I... Well, so that's good. Do I have to consume it? I have to eat it? Yes, unsuspectingly, okay. I suppose. I don't think that you are the All kind right. of person to look at a giant heaping, steaming pile of polar bear poop and be like, that seems good. <laughs> Probably not. All yeah. right. So I, I should say I'm, I, I am known for my love of street food. <laughs> so I think it's entirely likely that I just stopped at the wrong um, halal cart um, last weekend and uh, ate a gyro um, that had the tapeworm in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. that is a fully reasonable thing to assume that at some point, maybe I don't know. The, the food yeah. carts in the Arctic are exceptional. I mean, they're really good. Oh yeah, yeah. they're the best. You wander, mm -hmm. yeah, wander around, and um, so what happens now, Gabby? What's going to happen to Matt? Yeah, so if Matt now has the superpower tapeworm, um, essentially the first thing that is happening is this thing is going to start. I mean, we don't know too much about the biological interface between tapeworm and ant, but it seems like it's going to start pumping out chemicals that are in some way changing your biology. Um, and so for the ants, one of the cool things is that as temnothorax ants age, they actually become darker. Um, so the Ooh. like nice, new, fresh, young ants are like this like nice little golden color. Um, and so the ones that get infected kind of revert to that, it seems like. Um, so they lose their sort of like tired, they lose their wrinkles um, so Matt will be uh, finding himself absolutely restored uh, with the the glow of youth. Oh, nice! Awesome. I totally did not expect that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, you're like, man, that euro is really good. Like, I feel like my skin is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's great. I'm I'm very pleased to hear that. Actually. And then Gabby, didn't you say that what happens is other mem in the ants. Uh, other ants begin treating this newly golden ant with reverence or something. Is that correct? And if so, what happens to Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. 
So ants have really complicated pheromone systems. Um, actually, that's mostly how they communicate. There's no like, you know, ant sign language. They're not, you know, spelling out complex sentences to each other or uh, speaking or whatnot. So they really rely on like scent communication in a way Gosh. that humans don't. Um, and so whatever ants that get infected, they start putting out pheromones that I assume probably resemble some of the ones that the queen is putting out because they start taking care of these ants much like they take care of the queen. Um, so queen ants can't really groom themselves. They basically just push out eggs. They get food delivered to them. Um, they really get weighted on hand and foot. And now these infected ants do too. Um, so I guess, Matt, you are now having the best time at NYU. Woo! People are just bringing <laughs> yeah. food to you. Um, you are being, like, waited on. Like, it is... I mean, any, any like, you know, supervisor who's really, really on you now, they're like, oh, what do you need? How can I help you? <laughs> and, boy, and I thought I had a good being a tenured professor. That's right. That's right. Everything yeah. changes. And, uh, and, and therefore, your status is challenging the status of the dean. I mean, like, people are fawning over you and not. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not sharing my parasite, though, if, if that's the issue. <laughs> but that, isn't that that's what's happening in these ant colonies, right? That this this ant that is has no royalty whatsoever is being treated with the same respect and you know servitude that should only be going to the queen. Is that right? I mean, yeah, basically, and I mean, I'm sure in the human equivalent, the dean is still doing the dean's responsibilities, right. mm -hmm. except now getting a lot less help. Uh, um, and instead, all of a sudden, you know, takes a walk and goes past Matt's office, and well, there's <laughs> all of the help that would normally be given to the dean is just hanging out with Matt. Mm -hmm. Yes, nice. there's music blasting, and there's mm -hmm. uh, um, other teachers are are sort of uh, waving giant palm fronds over, you know, keeping Matt cool, right and <laughs> Yeah, grapes off the vine um and uh so what happens now the uh in the ant colony does this destabilize? and this is all happening because of this bizarre the tapeworm went into one of the ants and it, that ant is now giving off all these pheromones that's like i'm the really cool one i am the elvis of this i'm the elvis presley of this <laughs> thing and uh so does does this affect the ant society? Like if this was happening at NYU, I think there would there'd be some scuttlebutt, you know. Yeah, it would be a little disruptive. Yeah, so I mean this is like the part where it's it's a little bit so ants are what's considered you social. Um so what we are social. So essentially we are all essentially the same person, people, whatever. We've got the same form. We're more or less indistinguishable from each other besides, you know, personality and skill, what have you. We're all just, you know, generic human shape. Um, but ants are eusocial. So they are social creatures, but they are also built for specialized roles within a colony. So a worker ant does not look the same as the queen. And in situations where they're like soldier ants, they don't look the same as a regular worker ant. Um, so there's a lot of differences. Um, I should say I discovered recently there's you social shrimp. That's kind of dope. I think that's really funny. <laughs> um, sorry, just a, a random aside. Um, but this is where, you know, because ants are specialized in a human society, you'd have, you know, interpersonal conflict. Maybe like the dean is pissed about Matt's like, you know, becoming like the center mm -hmm. of this society or whatever. But, you know, ants won't organize a coup. 
essentially. Like, the the one beautiful ant won't become the queen because that ant doesn't have the biology right. to be the queen. Uh, Developmentally, okay. it couldn't start laying eggs in the volume that the colony sorry, needs. Um, it will always... <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can't be the queen. Um, but, I mean, this is where, you know, human society is different. If Matt's rocking around with, like, a nat 20 charisma, like, role all the time... In human society, you can get away with a lot. Like, you would have the best time at a casino, probably. Mm -hmm. That's probably right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where ants, as I understand, do not have a concept of money. Therefore, they would have a regular ant at a casino. (laughs) Um, So it does, I will say it does kind of mess up the colony in the way that if the queen isn't being taken care of correctly, it can, like, affect the fitness of the colony relative to a neighboring colony so a neighboring colony might be able to like you know take over a raid or whatever right. what have you um this is where i don't know too much about intercolony ant dynamics that's not exactly my jam <laughs> um but i can imagine that you know nyu is going to get a little dysfunctional if if you know things are, are so derailed like that like i yeah. mean matt i mean you you work at a university i'm how would it get super messed up by just like one person all of a sudden demanding so much attention well i should say actually this um What's here? How can I say this without uh, offending former colleagues? <laughs> um, at at a former institu- a former well known institution at which I, I used to be a um, student, um, uh, uh, certain senior people would in fact sort of take over all of the staff. So you would come in one day, um, and the people who were supposed to be like keeping the office running um, were had instead been uh, kidnapped by the senior professor to come help them with their particular project, um, and it was actually not possible to to say no. Um, so the, it was it was um, it was very hard to get things done generally because people would get just vacuumed up um, by whoever the most prestigious person was um, at the given day. Um, so that would be a problem. So I would be using these people um, to go get me library books I think, um, because they've just reopened the stacks here um, in our library. And I'm very excited oh, about this. Oh, I didn't this, realize that. That's I great. Had this, uh, yeah, just a couple of days ago. Um, so I need my worker ants um, to go to the library and carry books back to my office for me. Um, so they're going to be doing that instead of things like answering the phones or uh, processing applications for new students. <laughs> Um, to come here. So you go to the library. By the way, I love the NYU library is one of my favorite places. The library in Washington Square. And so I'm, I've, I've been waiting for this whole thing. Oh, I, I don't know if they, they may not yet be letting in uh, alumni. May only be for students. At the moment. But anyway, the fact that it, we're getting closer to opening up again is great. The funny thing is you imagine going there and uh, so say you walk around the NYU campus and uh, phones are ringing like crazy. And out of all the buildings, you just hear phones. and they, You just see papers piling up and uh, meanwhile there's a long steady line of people of students and and faculty and you know <laughs> yes. and administer everybody's working for you just this long line single file line going into the library <laughs> all the way up and then the, the other end of the line is coming the long single file line people coming out all carrying as many books as they can and making their way back to your uh, your office that's that's fantastic yeah that sounds totally yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah um so this happens in the ant colony, and what is the next step in this situation? And and therefore, then we'll see where that leads us into what what's what's going to happen that uh, in Matt's world. Yeah. So this intermediate step of you know this 
ants taking ant or ants, multiple ants can get infected in the colony, oh. um, taking up all of the resources. Um, that can go on for a really long amount of time. I mean, normally worker ants don't live too long. I think it's like three months or something like that for temnothorax ants. Hopefully I'm not getting that totally wrong. Uh, queens can live pretty long, like a decade. Wow. And you have these work, you have these infected worker ants or what have you that are actually living closer to the queen's life lifestyle. So, I mean, this is also part of where, you know, we're not eusocial. We all live, we have the, all have like the same life expectancy. Um, but I guess imagine if somehow being the dean of NYU gave you, you know, tripled your lifespan. Uh, you got like a little golden <laughs> apple and had like an AOE effect for your office or something. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty nice. Very cushy job, I guess. Um, now all of a sudden, Matt's living as long as the dean. He, the armies of, you know, students and staff who are bringing him books persist for generations. Oh, that's um, what we're talking that's about. a power. Um, so the next step, however, is Matt has to get uh, Oh, dear. This is not in a must-sacrifice-him-to-the-volcano way. This is just a, you know, the, the polar bear comes back. Uh, one day you get a knock on the door, boom, polar bear. <laughs> Something, or maybe you're back in the Ar back in the Arctic. You go back to the food stand or what have you. Mm -hmm. That uh, the whole all cart in the Arctic that you know started this to begin with, um, and bam, polar bear. And post consumption of of Matt, the tapeworm larvae that have been giving him superpowers um, now pass on to become pretty regular tapeworms for the polar bear. Oh. <laughs> it just goes back. I didn't realize that. It just goes back into the, like in in the, in the ant story, it goes back into the woodpecker and just becomes regular again. And then and then the yeah. and then the, the woodpecker, tapeworm. or the the in this case in the analogy, the polar bear will poop out that tapeworm and somebody else will get it. Is that right? That's what's going to mm -hmm. happen. Of course, mind yeah. you, it's not like you know one tapeworm, one egg. Like a some sort of I don't know infectious ah. football. There's a, there's millions of <laughs> eggs that come out Whoa. of one uh, a polar bear or a woodpecker. Not all of them wind up in an organism because sometimes they die, they kind of desiccate, or maybe they don't just right. don't get picked up and like rot. Um, but multiple people could have the same mortality. Um, I mean, however many people went to that same whole all cart in a day, if man they really managed to get some polar bear gunk on that, then everybody who had a euro from that cart now has a superpower basically oh interesting. really the okay. interesting the weird mm -hmm. part of this whole thing is as, as you say gabby at the beginning it all takes place in this strange situation where um an ant an ordinary worker ant imbi uh you know ingests a tapeworm that then turns them into this super charismatic leader um so and is it, I'm going to take one step back to where that, so Matt, I'm going to, we're going to wind the tape back a little bit. So Matt is now restored to his glory. Uh, yep. And I had this image of Matt, you know, you mentioned, oh, he goes back to the Arctic. I, Matt, I had this image of you that wherever you go in the world, the line of people follows you, you know, they're constantly bringing you. I should hope so. And, yeah. And mm -hmm. Anything else you need, Shake Shack, burger, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh but Gabby, you mentioned that multiple ants, multiple worker ants, might have this happening to them. Is that right? So that that's yeah. pretty wild. I mean, mm -hmm. um, so Matt may have another. There might be other contenders around, right? 
And yet you're saying that they in the ant yeah. world, it seems like they don't fight. It just doesn't bother them. I mean... It, it, yeah, so yeah. the immortal ants are, like, super chill, as my understanding. I mean, granted, ants are pretty cooperative, but it seemed like they were pretty blissed out um, as far as, you know, this whole situation went. And I guess this is part of where you social versus social comes into play. We're pretty complicated social animals that have... You know, we can be petty. Like, if you are some mm -hmm. immortal tapewormed NYU faculty member that's not Matt, um, <laughs> and you see all of the grad students fetching, all of your grad students fetching books for him, you're going to be yeah. pissed. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be like, no. And, and there might be some sort of, I don't know, fight for power, attempt to let loose a polar bear in NYU, et cetera, et cetera. Um, of course, polar bears being the natural weakness of NYU. That's, that's well, that's well known. <laughs> I realize that sounds very interesting. Um, but, you know, in ants, they're all getting taken care of the same. They're The infected ants are putting out the same pheromones as each other. They don't really care. It's, it's like, you know, you don't have... It, it's not competing over the same resources in the way that, you know, two billionaires might be fighting with each other for a share of a market. You know, it's, it's uh, not exactly okay. that sort right. of thing um so you can have multiple ants infected but i suppose the load of infected ants um in a colony however do dramatically impact the you know the health of the colony so for example say um some immortal human being um like matt or now this other hypothetical faculty member um can only hold sway over 100 or 200 people at a time so now, yeah, you know, yeah. Matt's putting some kind of a dent on the university. I don't know. How many people are at NYU, Matt? Uh, well, the, at its peak, 50,000. Mm. Yeah. So 100, 200, not that many, right? Mm -hmm. You think? But then you have another faculty member. So you've got 400 people all of a sudden out. And so the more people who are infected among the faculty and who are creating thralls of the students, et cetera, um, the more disruption there's going to be. And essentially, the more likelihood that NYU will collapse. Yeah, that's probably right. I, the, the, yeah, the charisma is not a virus. It's a charisma parasite. But I don't know, somehow calling it the charisma virus sounds hilarious. Sounds better. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I find it kind of fascinating, just the idea that the ants, I mean, it's almost, I guess it makes sense. It's almost like the ants are more mechanistic. It's like we're just react. They, they don't have the knowledge. I, I think what... What makes humans jealous is they have a lot more knowledge about things or, you know, kind of under, a bigger, con they understand a bigger context. But it makes me think that there are certain things we do as a species, as a whole, that are, let's just say, you know, polluting the planet, you know, is the kind of thing nobody does. Mm -hmm. It's hard to point to a single person or whatever. It's just something we all do and we just not, there are effects we have on the planet, for instance, that are huge and detrimental and, we don't do anything. We're almost as dumb mm -hmm. as the ants. But unintentional. Yeah. 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 Um, I think ultimately that uh, given the fact that humans are more aware that the one twist in this scenario, the final twist, and I, I leave, leave this to you, Matt, to uh, envision for us, would be that humans, unlike ants, realize what's going on, right? So you, all-powerful um Matt, the most charismatic um, person mm -hmm. in the entire 50,000 uh, member NYU community, uh, realizes what's going on and therefore 
what can you do to maintain your hold on this? And what what will you do well, with this? I have to I have to make sure no one else goes to the same food cart that I ah, went to. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I need to make sure no one eats me. Yeah. Um, or handles my feces. <laughs> Is that right, oh, Gabby? Nope, you should be okay. Oh, actually. good. That's that's actually okay. yeah. a huge relief because the 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 tasks <laughs> required to enforce that rule are not going to be fun for anybody. In fact, a true charismatic, um, you know, psychopathic leader would would demand that his feces be handled. Yeah, you that's know. probably right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think um, I'll need to set a good portion of my. Uh, followers to the job of preventing people right. from eating me. Yep. Um, so I've got a people s- being polar bears important. Yes, <laughs> that is very cool. It's a, it's polar bear exclusive. Right. Really. Yeah. So how many undergrads does it take to prevent a polar bear from doing anything? Um, it's got to be a pretty big number. So I might run short of followers. Soon. But even if it was um, a small number, might have to... right. Even if it was a small number of undergrads needed to do it, it seems to me the way universities work, they would still assign a vast, you know, way more undergrads than are actually needed. Yeah, that's probably right. We're not, we're not the most efficient organizations. Right, right. Out there. It's an elective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's right. If we, polar bear fighting. if we can give class credit for three credits, it, yeah, I would totally supervise an independent study in polar bear fighting. Yeah. Any of my students Does that listening. count as a gym credit? Yeah. Like some uh, kind of bio- physical activity? Uh, yeah, gym or just biology, I think. Oh, that'd be a good um, one, general biology. Yeah. Um, I'd be up for that. And, you know, I teach in an interdisciplinary school, so um, I can I can justify just about anything <laughs> Absolutely. for credit. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and the tape... One thing that we didn't address here, and I'll leave this for you, Gabby, for your final contribution here for us. Do we know, it's, it's always a weird question with parasites, I suppose, but why does this, what, what's going on here and, or, or either what's the simple mechanism, although I think maybe you were saying you weren't unfamiliar exactly with what, what is it, but what, how did, this is such a random thing, right, that this tapeworm comes along and has this effect that suddenly makes ants or mat super charismatic and then be treated with all this thing like what is there some evolutionary benefit here or is this this is just the big question yeah yeah definitely so so i mean think about if you're an ant that only lives like three months and you're you're a tapeworm that wants to infect this ant three months is a really narrow window to get eaten by a woodpecker Mm -hmm. if you accidentally infect this ant in like winter and this ant lives in an acorn that gets covered in snow like this ant's never going to get eaten. Um, and so, I mean, one of the things, too, I don't know if I mentioned it, is, you know, when the researchers were cracking open these these nests to, to do these studies, they found that all the other ants reacted as normal. They grabbed the larvae. They booked it. The tapeworm-infected ants just kind of sat there. Um, so imagine if Matt just had no ability to sense danger also. Yeah. Polar bear's in the way. He's like, okay. That's cool. Uh, the weakness. Just did not react. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so... If you are a tapeworm, it is really advantageous to for the ant for you to infect, be infecting for it to live long. Part of living long includes it getting food, it getting super taken care of, what have you. Um, there's a lot of chances for an ant to die if it's just leaving the nest uh, and foraging still. 
Um, and die not being getting eaten by a woodpecker just from other circumstances. Um, so you don't want that ant leaving the nest. Um, considering woodpeckers will break open the nests and eat the ants, well, then you want this ant in the nest for as long as possible, as healthy as possible, so it can get eaten. Um, and so that's a long way of saying that the evolution to get this tapeworm to this point over millions of years in which it can mess with ant biology that way is super cool. Yeah. Um, but it is funky, like how parasites and sometimes fungi do this stuff to insects. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's a really bizarre evolutionary sequence, well, right? That... Um, I mean, imagining what that uh, series of evolutionary um, adaptations must have been is kind of crazy. Well, yeah, I... well, that's like one of the things that I learned of uh, when, the, when the cicadas were coming out. I don't know if I mentioned this, but this is another one of my favorite, like, insect manipulations etc insects are kind of fun they're very simple machines and i mean of course the biology is complicated but they're very since they're very like chemical and like pheromone driven you can very much plug a thing in get a response out which is yeah. why a lot of things take advantage of them this way uh if some of you may have heard of cicada butt fungus <laughs> uh which was coming up in I discussions with the cicadas when they were coming out you haven't heard of cicada butt fungus i'm sure there's an actual term I, we were all just joking around <laughs> calling it cicada butt fungus. I don't know the actual scientific name of it. Um, but importantly, it makes a ton of psilocybin, which uh, is like nice. the yeah. hallucinogenic fungus compound. Mm -hmm. It essentially will rot uh, cicadas from the like back half up. Um, <laughs> but it pumps cicadas full of essentially magic mushroom compound. Um and part of what it does is it just makes them, like, mate with, like, any cicada they see, like, regardless of whether or not they're, like, the actual opposite sex. So, like, it spreads that way. Interesting. Um, okay. But it is kind of a funny mechanism that this fungus is like, okay, I have this behavior that I need the cicadas to do in order to spread. Um, but it's actually the easiest if I just make this cicada super high. <laughs> um, and that's what it does. That's what it does, because biology is weird and evolution goes in ways that you do not expect, which is why I really love what I do. <laughs> that is amazing. Also, the, I just love it's such a different take on on uh, parasites and stuff, because like, as you say, it's we think of it almost always as a negative thing. Uh, and this one, it's almost like the parasite, let's say the tapeworm gets inside the ant, whatever, and it's like, buddy, you and I, we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. to get a lot more writing done. This is great. <laughs> Until I'm eaten by a polar bear, but that seems a fair. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it is. It is the yeah. weakness, the Achilles heel of uh, of charismatic leaders. Sometimes they get cocky, they get lazy. Yeah, you that's know, right. and get eaten by polar oh, bears. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought you were saying the Achilles heel of all leaders was polar bears. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> would that be? The, would, would that have be the case? That would be a wonderful thing. Um. Well, fantastic. Uh, thank you. Thank you both. And Gabby, thank you for this extraordinary journey. Very colorful. Very colorful. Uh, and aromatic at times. But it's science. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's all good. Um, uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to plug, being as charismatic as you are? Um, I have library books that need to be picked okay. up. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to meet me on Washington Square Park yes. South. Um, I'll be there around two o'clock this afternoon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Gabby, how about you? Anything you'd like to plug? I am currently unplugged. Unplugged. <laughs> unplugged. Acoustic, as always. Oh, right. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I just had an image of a guitar where the strings are tapeworms. Mm -hmm. 
psychedelic. Yeah. Woo! Oh, no. Ugh. I, I, de- I decline <laughs> to consider that any further. <laughs> that just dealt me psychic damage. <laughs> wow. All not right. Great. Um, thank you all for listening. Send in your ideas. What are your questions? What are things you would like to if? When you dream of ifs, what do they say to you? Um, you can uh, contact us just the easiest way. Honestly, go to whattheif.com and uh, just hit contact there and you can send us a message um, with your ideas. Uh, if we run with your show idea, you become a super ifer. Uh, and also, you can become a... Uh, I have to come up with a new term for Patreon ifers. I'm not sure what that would be, but uh, that's true. Um, yeah. we very, very much uh, appreciate your support and uh, you will join a wonderful growing community of uh, What the If members, members of the if uh, the Academy of If Patreon P A T R E O N Patreon dot com slash What the If become a member. Just go check it out. Just see what what are we talking about? What are the kind of, kind of things? All kinds of cool rewards for new members, and uh, there will be new things. We're we're still we're st- it's still growing, so I'm working on these things. But we got a newsletter coming out. Um, uh, Matt, Gabby, and I will uh, maybe in each newsletter offer like uh, recommended books to read or. Uh, TV shows to watch, things like that. It'll yeah, be fun. We'll find something exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, and all kinds of bonus materials will be uh, coming your way only exclusively for members. Uh, Patreon.com slash what the if. We also have some exciting, we, we have a really exciting guest coming up um, in a couple of weeks. So uh, those folks come by periodically as well. If you if you're new to the show and you want to listen to a bunch more uh, episodes, scroll right there back on your on your uh, podcast app. Just scroll back and look at the previous episodes or just go to whattheif.com. You can see all the shows we've ever done and there's an incredible number there and you can learn more about us as well. So, um, Matt, would you uh, help us uh, close out today, um, launch us towards next week's show with our ritual? Uh well, yeah. So if you are a, a humble librarian at NYU's Bopes Library, sitting behind the circulation desk, waiting for the trickle of students that usually come in to get books, but then you look to the, the front doors, which are glass, so you can see the horde of several thousand research assistants coming to collect Professor Stanley's books, you might find yourself shouting, What, what the... those books your job is simply to haul move them from one place to another professor stanley is the one who will read the book you stay the course uh thank you all for listening humans tapeworms uh woodpeckers what a cast we had this week ants uh queen ants pretenders to the throne all of you thank you all for listening and we will see you next week